Imagine knowing exactly what your students are learning and exactly which steps you need to take next. Join us in Down With The Reading Quiz to craft meaningful and productive formative assessments that move away from gotcha moments of basic recall and toward assessing what your students actually can do. In this 30-minute free masterclass, we'll share three powerful assessment keys that work for any novel at any time of the year. Head to shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to sign up, and we'll also send you a free workbook to keep track of all your notes. Once again, that's shop.bravenewteaching.com slash masterclass to nail formative assessments forever. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Marie. What are you up to later? Want to join me for happy hour? I'm all in. And guess what's amazing? Our listeners and friends of the podcast can also join us because Brave New Teaching Happy Hour has officially launched. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. We are officially hanging out a little bit longer after school with an extended extra private podcast feed just for you. Yes. Members of Happy Hour get extra 15 minutes of the podcast, give or take, because you know us, we run a little bit long. It's just kind of how we are. But if you would like to get in on this Happy Hour action, please join us. It is only $5 a month. Head to curriculumrehab.com slash happy hour and get yourself signed up because when you're there, Amanda, tell our friends what we do every month for our Happy Hour members. I think my favorite part is coming up with a new free resource for our listeners every month. And then we pretty much break down that resource and how to use it. We also like to have guests on to do extended episodes and even Q&A that's just for you about that resource. It's really exclusive and super private just for you. So if you are like us and you like hanging out, you like chit-chatting about all things that are teaching, teacher life, and everything under that umbrella, join us for happy hour and we will see you there. Bye. Bye. Well, hello and welcome back to Brave New Teaching. And today we are so excited, friends, to introduce a friend of ours to you. Some of you might already know him, but first I have to say hi to Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hi, everybody. I am pumped about today, too. Did not fangirl at all during this interview. You guys, friends, we are kind of a mess over here sometimes at Brave New Teaching. Like, we're like a good kind of mess. Like, it's definitely a hot mess, but like, it's yeah. it's a hot, the emphasis on the hot, right? <laughs> right? It's a cute hot mess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we have been trying to coordinate with our friend, John Rodney. You might know him on Instagram as teacher to teacher. And hopefully by the time this airs, we have convinced him to start a blog and YouTube or channel. A because, or a YouTube channel. Yeah. Or okay. a podcast because this man has an amazing speaking voice, first of all. So like I would listen to him. So hopefully by the time this is up, we're like, and there are other ways that you can find him. Go to the show notes. Either way, go to the show notes so that you can get a hold of John. Because once you hear him start talking, uh, we are talking today. It is an episode in our series about behavior management. And really, it is one of the best keys to behavior management that he has got dialed in so well to his teaching practice. And that is building a community in his classroom. And when I tell you that Amanda and I fangirled while interviewing him, like, right? Amanda's just looking like at me with her eyebrows up. She's, yeah, there's there's nothing to add other than we just did that. We did that. Yeah, there is nothing to add. The, the only thing there is to add is that I want everyone to know that I, there is a very, you know, the reason we talk to John is because we see him 
in social media world. We see him in TikTok world, but we can see with his content and the way that he talks about school and kids, such a deep appreciation for the growing young people that students really are. And so much of social media can be very teacher centered, right? On ourselves and are all about us. And like, that's fine. Cause it, it is, it's social media. It's, it's whatever you want it to be. Well, um, and so much of the teaching world is centered away from us. So like, it was kind of like a way sure. to be a person in the classroom. And he does that while also recentering back on kids. And I, and I adore it. And so I actually reached out to him before we got him on the podcast um, to have him write for me on moderninkteaching.org. And so you may have seen this in an email from me earlier in the summer. Um, if you had missed it, um, after you listen to this episode, please check out the show notes and read. There's a two-part series that he did for me on the website all about kind of revamping and re-examining your classroom library and creating a more inclusive space, especially for LGBTQ plus protagonists and stories. He has some very thoughtful and practical ways to kind of go about that systematically and thoughtfully. I just really loved editing with him and writing with him and being a partner and all of those things. So if you are not getting enough in this interview, I understand. So then go to my website and go read this two part series and you'll be like, okay, yep, all the things, ready to do all of the things. But John's been teaching for a long time. He's a 15 year vet in the biz. Um, He's done middle school and high school. Uh, ELA is his jam. But honestly, like when Marie and I look at John, we think, he is a teacher of all the people, you know, like he doesn't seem at all to me pigeonholed into one grade level. His approach and his thoughtfulness, his philosophies are very much about the whole child, the whole student. And it feels like the, their whole lives, you know, from kindergarten through 12th. So in this, this interview, you're going to hear ideas that are very practical for the adolescent age group. Um, but that's not to say that it's, you know, not practical in other ages as well. And I just love, I mean, that's why you and I are doing this. Like we love learning from other people who are good at what they do and who lean into what they're good at. And so that's why we wanted to bring this to you today. So we are going to go ahead and get started and just stop with the yammer jammer from us for now. Please enjoy this interview with our friend, John Rodney, and make sure you head to the show notes like Amanda said. Uh, But before we get to that, we need to cue the music. You're listening to Brave New Teaching, and we are so much more than a podcast. We give teachers the inspiration, support, and tools to challenge the status quo. I'm Amanda, and I'm a former English teacher from Illinois. And I'm Marie, and I'm a teacher from Southern California. Join us at bravenewteaching.com to find out more about our courses, festivals, and get every episode's show notes. We're so glad you're here. Enjoy the show. All right, everybody, we are so excited to welcome to the podcast our friend John Rodney. You might know him on Instagram as Teacher to Teacher, but we just know him as Amazing Teacher John. Hi, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and talk with both of you. John's here. I'm so pumped. We've been waiting for this for a (laughs) long time. Yeah, well, so I need the entire like universe, but especially the Brave New <laughs> Teaching community to know how patient John is because Amanda and I have been so flippin' flaky 
like, yeah, let's talk on the podcast. In like, when was it? Like March. And then I ghosted. And he was like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I totally get it. Teacher life, like teacher life. We've been, we've been through some things this year. Like, right. I get it. I just wanted to make sure that you two weren't like, he's dropping the ball. So I was like, Hey (laughs) y'all. It's a hundred percent of the time. It's us actually. 70% 70% of the time, it's me. 30% of the time, it's Amanda. <laughs> Just ask anybody who's been hanging out in my DMs for over a month um, what that's like, because. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I like, and that's the thing is this, our audience and like in present company, we're all teachers. So like we get it, yes. right? Yeah. Like you just kind of go, 100%. yep, I get it. Especially when you're in the school year. And then when you've just barely ended the school year, like this is my first week of summer break. John, how long have you been on break? I have been on break for two and a half weeks now. Okay. Right. The the reason why I'm so – Yeah, exactly. That's the reason why I was slow to whip that out because some people are just thinking they hit it. And they're like, you're with me, right? And I'm like, actually, I'm a little bit further along than you. So, Well, by the time that this episode actually airs, it will be like back to school season. But we are recording in June because quite frankly, we're we're kind of fresh and we're ready to start talking about this stuff and – I feel like there are some, Amanda and I've talked about on the podcast before, like there are some regular seasons to the year where you get more busy. Like everybody's going to get super busy in November, December. Things kind of lull at other times of the year. But then like as individuals, we also kind of ebb and flow. Like I know my own busy seasons uh, aside from like grading and all that. And that is actually where what we're talking about today really comes into play because we are talking in a series about classroom management and we're talking about things that we put in place as part of a regular practice and being in the classroom that build a community and community is honestly what it takes for classroom management. Amanda, you want to help me kind of explain where we're going today? Well, I... I really think that the reason we reached out to John specifically was because his social media presence is so positive and encouraging. And I can feel like I am the teacher next door. You know, John and I had talked about this. And I think that that kind of energy is what we need to be reminded of. In when we think of classroom management, I think a lot of people switch over to rules and expectations. And that's totally part of it. But so is building a community of trust and acceptance and and we're going to work together kind of attitude. So I want to give John the mic and a chance to really introduce himself and your, yes. you know, give us John, for those listeners who don't follow you yet, or are just maybe meeting you for the first time. Um, what is, what's your teacher story? What's your, uh, what are some of the things that you share with us on social media and, and what do you care about? Yeah, thanks for uh, the introduction. So I'm originally from Maine. I teach in Southern California right now. I've been a secondary English educator for about 15 years. I got my career started at the high school level, and uh, I had a really great introduction to teaching where it was 20 to 1. So that means the first two years of school, I had 20 students to one teacher, and I taught five English classes out of six. And so it was a really beautiful introduction to teaching um, because it really allowed me me to kind of establish and get my feet wet um, and have personal connections with students uh, to and to develop classroom management that would work for me. Obviously, it's evolved over the years as the profession has evolved. And now I'm currently and I've been teaching at a middle school for 11 years now, where um, the needs of the students are similar, but different. Um, and so and it's allowed me to hone in 
on that. I definitely feel like if ever I were to return to high school, because I've taught at a middle school, it is really, it has made me learn all of the things that kids despite age, really, really need it. And it has allowed me to hone in on what those things are. So if I were to return to the bigger kids, uh, I would be much more adept at understanding what they need, you know, academically as well as socially uh, to help motivate them. So that's sort of my background into and how I got started in education. So have you been in California the whole time? Because I mean, you and I started teaching around the same time. Cost size reduction, that money, mm, that was a beautiful thing, wasn't it? It was, I didn't know anything different. Uh, yeah. So I've, to me, I was like, oh, this is how it should be. Then it jumped up to 35 kids, uh, 30-ish kids for my classes at least. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've taught in Southern California my entire teaching career. So it's, I think uh, I just finished my 15th and a half year of teaching at the secondary level in Southern California. Yeah, that's, I had 19, like my first year teaching and it was freshmen in one section. And then I had like 40 seniors. So I was like, well, I see the difference here. And it does, it helps you develop that like personalized learning and just the tools that you as an, as like a instructor need to develop you. It's, you can see through all of the fog when there are fewer kids. I mean, there's obvious, we're all nodding along like bobbleheads. Like, yeah, of course it's better when there are fewer kids in a room. That's just not reality all the time, but Yeah. So what are the things in your classroom? Like we have a course called Curriculum Rehab where we help teachers create a year-long curriculum plan. And a piece of that is like the pillar, we call them the pillars. What are the things that are like the most important to you in your classroom, in your practice? What are the pillars of your teaching? So, you know, going from having the 20 kids starting out my career, it really kind of was like, oh, this is sort of the goal, you know, of like how much attention I can give to the students and how much energy and, you know, what we do together in that that small group, that small class, that was really, really the goal. And so now teaching middle school going on now 10 years, 11 years, it's really about how do I recreate that in a larger group setting? How do I recreate that with middle school students? And I feel like, you know, Amanda, you alluded to this earlier, I, you know, my, my screen name is teacher to teacher because I literally am the teacher next door. So the things that I implement are things that I think a lot of teachers do. And so, you know, just kind of re- reminding them of these things as well. The, the biggest thing that I try to do, and it starts with me, I think, in the classroom, is just like to really kind of know who I am as a person, to know who I am as a teacher. And so that that way, when I am coming into the classroom, they know where I'm coming from, they know what my intentions are, and they know the reason behind things. Like those seem to be, that seems to be like the biggest thing. Day one, I tell them the type of teacher I am. I tell them what they can expect from me, and I tell them what the wants are uh, that I have for them. Um, And so everything sort of like stems out of there because I think that especially at the beginning of the school year where they're walking into the classroom and they're so nervous, you know, it's a new environment, it's a new teacher and they have to learn, they have to like learn the game, right. Of like, what is this teacher about? Like, who am I going to sit next to? And so just really kind of like, let me take the guesswork out of it for you. I'm going to tell you who I am. And what you can ex- what you can expect, and then in turn, I want to know what their expectations of me are. I want to know what their wants from me are too, uh, and so that way, hopefully, very early on, we uh, are able to articulate mutual expectations and and wants from my classroom and their classroom experience as they are in that classroom. 
Well, it mitigates as much anxiety as possible, right? If you're informed, you know what to expect. We talk about it in like in the way of like routines. If kids know what to expect out of a routine or out of like a certain activity, then pieces of it that might cause anxiety are removed. That layer is gone. And so you can get to a better place for learning and you can get to a better place like what you're talking about of like developing that relationship and that trust that's there to make sure that students can, well, learn because that's the whole point. Yes. Yeah. 100%. When you said, okay, student walks into your class, that kind of leads us into the next little piece here. So past the kind of getting to know you place, right? Let's say that you're a couple months in to class and a student who is coming to your classroom every single day, they walk into Mr. Rodney's class and what is it that they experience? What do they see? What do they feel? What do they do? What does it look like for a student experience joining the community within your room? So I, I mean, I'm one of the middle school teachers and I'm, I'm really happy to say that the most of the middle school teachers at my school do this. We greet our students at the door. Um, you know, we greet our students at the door and we have that intentionality of making sure they are greeted at the door. I happen to try to greet my students in multiple languages. Uh, we have a strong, diverse community. And so therefore, you know, I like to change it up every single day. Back when we were like shaking hands and stuff, I implemented like handshakes. So we did Webby Wednesdays uh, so that kids would be able to practice that. Uh, now we elbow bump. And so there's that intentionality. And again, just going to say about how I am transparent, I tell the students why I say hello to them. I tell them that I want them to feel seen. I tell them that I want them to have at least one person saying hello to them and give them a smile and acknowledge them during the school day because some students don't have that. And I tell them- goosebumps, John. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, I I tell them- No, it's just so sweet. Yeah. And and they don't know why I do the things that I do. They don't understand it. They go, Mr. Ronnie stands at the door. He says hello in foreign languages to us. And and so telling them why I do the things that they do so that, again, this idea of what I want for them to feel cared for as they are learning English from me, like telling them that so that they always know I'm operating out of a space of care, out of love, out of best interest for them. I want them to know that. So even if they're having a tough time with me, even if they're struggling with a skill, uh, even if, you know, something they always, always know in their, you know, middle school minds or their high school minds that Mr. Rodney is operating out of a place. He wants what's best for me. And so it's, it will hopefully drive them and carry over them to a space where they are no longer struggling uh, and it maybe helps them through to be more open to things. So again, that transparency and that being authentic self, that's just something that happens repeatedly again and again. So they walk in, they're greeted. They walk in, they have classroom jobs, which at the middle school level is not necessarily the easiest thing to do because in elementary school, you you know, typically you have a set amount of kids, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're able to do it. But for middle school, high school even, this seems a little bit little kiddish initially, but I really like for to foster a sense of we all are taking care of this. And, and I have sort of class mottos too. Uh, and it is, you know, one of them is leave a space more beautiful than you found it. And then we also apply that to people, leave people more beautiful than you found them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of reminding them of that. And so like when kids groan about like having to pick up a pencil off the floor and putting it in the pencil box or whatever, I'm like, what do we say? 
Yeah. Leave space more beautiful than we found it. Yes, that is what we do. Yeah. Yes. Uh, And so it's just that, again, reminding them because at least at seventh grade, they face a transition or they go through a transition where they enter, I feel like, more of an eighth grade stage, which is sort of a selfish phase where it's not that they are selfish. They're just going through this phase where it's like, what about me? What about what I want? And they're Mm -hmm. testing limits. And so why do, you know, it's the, it's not my pencil. Why do I have to pick it up? It's like, because we all take care of each other. This is our space. And so, and also through the school year, we notice I notice a drop off. If I let kids volunteer for jobs, I notice a drop off. Those are the kids that take care of our classroom. I don't want to do that. And so by assigning them, it's your week. So these five people have these jobs to do. They know it's just what we do in this classroom. Mm-hmm. It's just what we do. Uh, and so, and hopefully that transcends into other people's classrooms too. So they have jobs to do. I try to be very clear with the expectations. Uh, they have um, slides that are hopefully very visual. Uh, sometimes they'll have inspirational quotes on them. Sometimes I still rock the Bitmoji. Uh, <laughs> putting those now never die. Don't let it die. Yeah, so we have, I project the Google Slides. I will have music playing. Uh, sometimes throughout the year, we'll have certain playlists that kids uh, can uh, period one playlist, period two playlist, and we work our That's way through. Fun. Yeah, and so there's always a sense of trying to build in these these moments and these touchstones and these sense of community that they walk into my room and it's a reset from whatever uh, class they just came into. I also try to. I mean, I'm just rambling no, right not. now. I'm listening. No, this, I, the- you're not. Well, what you're doing though is you're giving people a like affirmation if it's something that they're already doing. Like, oh, you know what? I do that because I think what happens is we get so into our routine as teachers that mm-hmm. we don't think about like how do you build classroom like you know you have to do like your uh what's it called evaluation and it's like mm-hmm. what do you do to build community and you're like I don't freaking I don't know let's do bingo everybody we're gonna do people but then you like I, it takes me anyways a minute to remember what I actually already do but like what you're talking about is describing doing it with intentionality and so like going back and being really transparent about I say hi to you at the door because that in and of itself, kids need that. They need you to connect the dots. Uh, yeah. Adults need you to connect the dots. And so mm-hmm. that's that intentionality piece, I think, is what makes you so special. And it's something that is so helpful for the rest of us to remember that it's okay to be intentional and transparent about it all. I also want to pop in and remind our listeners who are at the high school level and are thinking, I'm off the hook. I don't have to do this because I teach high school, not middle school, and high schoolers don't need this. Uh, well, I guess you're probably not listening if that's your attitude, but um, yeah, I doubt that they're part of our community. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I see that like in the high school, I would say the majority of adults feel like this is not necessary for high school students. And I, I have seen the difference when there's intentionality behind the things that you're describing, John. And then there is the kind of assuming it'll just happen. Um, there's a huge difference in the results. And I see that at, at the high school level as well. Yeah, I agree. Brave new teaching listeners. I have to just quickly stop in and check on you. How are you doing? Are you ready for back to school? I want you to remember that there's so much more about back to school than getting your shopping list taken care of. 
If you're scrambling in your head and losing sleep about organizing your first 10 days, your first two weeks, your first couple of days, I want you to know that I've been working so hard all summer to bring you a course that will bring you peace, purpose, and a sense of direction for your entire semester. My brand new course, The First 10 Days, is ready for you, and I am so anxious to get it into your hands. I want to share, first of all, a quick testimonial from a teacher friend of mine who's already gone through it and what she's experiencing. Take a listen. Hey, Amanda, I wanted to let you know that I purchased your first 10 days and I am only on day two. I just got done watching day two video and I absolutely love the content. Like, this is so, so good. I am so excited to go back to school. I'm taking all sorts of notes. I am re-watching the videos. I'm really just, like, taking my time going through each video and the resources that you are providing. Um, I needed this. I told you I'm preparing for year number 16 of teaching, and this is so, so good. Whether you're preparing for year 16 or year one, I'm here to walk alongside you if you're feeling a little bit lost. Re-entering the classroom this year is going to be tough, but going in with clarity, purpose, and a real sense of where everything is headed, you will feel confident and that confidence will transcend into everything you do in building the classroom community that you and your students deserve. I hope I can help you. Stop by the show notes today to check out and see more of how the first 10 days can support you getting ready for back to school. Back to the show. I, just going back, I know that we jumped back, you know, we jumped three months in where a lot of the stuff has already been done. But just talking about starting off the year where we have to take inventory of what the kids know and we have to go, okay. Kids are coming from different schools. We all know that different teachers really specialize in different things necessarily. So I need to have a baseline of where the majority of my students are and really try to you know, understand where I need to start operating from uh, in my classroom. Those activities, um, we have a writing program that our school follows. And so as a way to kind of refresh memories about those skills and practice engaged students, it's really um, their you know, the, or the writing is based upon them. So I get to learn about them. We get to learn about each other. So even though we are looking to, you know, my goal is to let's practice the writing. It's really about them expressing themselves, like being able mm-hmm. to express things that are important to them as well. And they're choosing topics that are not going to place them at competition with one another. You know, when we go, what did you do over summer break? You know, we have kids who are being like, uh, you know, I went to Armenia over summer break. I went to Disneyland three times. I went to Mexico. And then you have these other kids in the classroom who were like, I stayed at home and took care of my abuelo. Yeah. Like, right. I walked to Target for a slushie. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, so like, then they feel like they are not as, you know, good in the classroom. They don't have something awesome to share. And so this year, especially coming back from a, a time away, you know, we did a writing a paragraph of like, what are three positive characteristics that can describe you? And so, you know, they need to, you know, write an essay about that or what is the moment you are most proud of? Mm-hmm. And so it's really starting off the year with intentionality of building kids up. 
you know, and, and then being able to build up the confidence to express that because oftentimes we express the negative things about ourselves. We don't express the positive things about ourselves. And you'd be surprised at how many students, when I say to choose three positive characteristics and find examples from your own life about them where they want to go to the negative. They go, yeah. can I write that I'm this and it's a negative? And I'm like, absolutely not because you are not that thing. Let's find some positive things. And if you need assistance, I want you to ask the people around you. Ask your best friend. Ask your parent or guardian. Ask a teacher that you had last year. And so really kind of from the get-go, letting them know that I expect that they are going to think highly of themselves and that I want them to have the confidence to share these things out to people, which a lot of people struggle with. I really hope it sets the tone that it is going to be an academically rigorous class and yet built in and embedded into these things are going to be moments that demonstrate to you that I want to learn about you. I want to hear about your experiences. Well, and I think this is a perfect example, like from, because uh, it's something you said you do at the beginning, like this uh, writing about yourself. Like, let's take that one, for example. I think this is a perfect example for every teacher out there who thinks, okay, I have to build community and I have to get started on my content and my skills. Put them all together, right? Like that's such a perfect way to get right into the writing, get a writing sample if that's what you need, like if it's that point in the year, or just say like, we're going to do narrative writing, here's all the lessons, blah, 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 but you're going to write about yourself. And so it's building in rigor and also reflection so that they've got their own voice in the classroom and you're hitting the standards that you need to hit all at the same time. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Houston Craft, who's a public speaker, and he really speaks about kindness. He has books published. I highly recommend uh, listening uh, and reading his book and doing all these things. He, um, in one of his podcasts, along with his partner, um, they talk about how kindness isn't another thing to add on top of the plate. It is the plate. Mm. It is totally. the place that we build this stuff on top of. And so um, this is not one more thing to, you know, oh, I have to add on building relationships. No, this is the plate. This is a part of it. It's not one more thing to add on to an educator's plate. Getting to know your students and building these relationships and creating this classroom culture, that is the plate that will allow you to further um, those risks that you're going to ask them to take in an ELA classroom. John, can I, can I bring us back to, you're, you're here. You're here in this question that I've had for a little while as I'm listening here. And I want to go back. You said this line when you were talking about being at the front door, but I feel like it's there are echoes of this coming out in other things that you're saying. You said you want all of your students to feel seen, to be seen. And to kind of, I, I don't want this episode to take a, a super dark turn, but... There's more to that sentiment, I think, and I'm going to let you talk about it, but I think there's more to that sentiment than a fluff, I'm checking this off the list of things that I should do. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you define and, and really believe in that statement of students need to be seen? You know, How is that kind of, I can hear, like I said, echoes of that in all these other things that you're describing that you do. Why is that so important to you? And how can we kind of look at that from the lens of this is part of what has to happen in American public schools, especially considering the brokenness that we're all experiencing? Why is that so important to you? So, one of the trainings that I've had to go through these past couple of years at the beginning of a school year is um, a suicide prevention training. Um, at the yeah. beginning of the school year, we always take the suicide prevention training. One of the things that I found super interesting about this training is one of the reasons why there's an uptick in suicide 
at the middle school level is because there is this understanding that you are not your family for young people. When you are in elementary school, you really see yourself almost like a blob, or at least that's how I envision it, a blob. And you were just a part of that blob as a member of your family. You actually do not recognize that you were able or capable of harming yourself in a way because you are part of the blob. As you start to create your own identity, you separate yourself out of the blob. And so now you are able to you experiencing things alone. It's not just about you being a part of the family unit. You are experiencing happiness, sadness as puberty hits, these extreme highs, these extreme lows. And, you know, in those moments really they can take a toll on a young person. And so as you are trying to figure out who you are as a young person, it is a difficult journey. It's a difficult experience for some students. And so there are some students that lot, and I feel like this is common that people feel that they wear a mask and no one really sees the true them. When I bring up this idea or this feeling in the classroom, they always, I always get head nods. It doesn't matter. It's from like the kid who seems like the happiest in the class to the kid who has a hoodie pulled over because they need to be in that almost fetal position because school is so anxiety inducing. And so for standing at the door, you know, I tell them that me greeting them, I want them to feel seen. I want them. It's because if a person is walking through the hallways and no one has said a single word to them, they feel invisible. They do not feel a part of things. And I really, really want them to feel a sense that at least one person sees me, at least one person knows me uh, and cares for me. Not that I am a martyr, uh, not that I am a, the savior of a child, but as they leave the home where hopefully they do experience that, they are there's someone, there's a safety person uh, out there that is willing to be intentional and, and say these things to them um, because it's a lot to be a young person. Uh, and that, that sense of autonomy uh, just increases over high school where you feel even more separate from your family. And hopefully you do find your community. Hopefully you do find your friends. Hopefully you do. But there are those kids that don't. And so I really want to make sure that I do what I can in my classroom to develop teacher-student relationships, peer-to-peer relationships, and that I just foster a sense of safety within the room and and comfort, not just safety, but comfort. Uh, I've had students in my class before say, Mr. Ronnie, your classroom is like the ideal space. You always kind of like make it seem like this is the you know, this is the Rodney bubble, but like we leave it, Mr. Rodney. And it's not always like this, you know? And I'm like, well, I want you to operate like it could be right. Like it could be this way. And I'm sending you out into the school world with that intention of like, it it could be this way. And so I think that's why I, I try to purposefully build a sense of classroom community just because I want them to feel that sense of security and safety and comfort uh, as they make their way through that. Thank you, first of all, for for taking us on that trip. I mean, it's not it's very rare that we actually kind of go this like relatively emotional route. First of all, I think you need to start calling it your classroom blob. Okay, so we're gonna go with blob. It's not <laughs> from now on. Um, I, I mean, this is this is these are the things that I think are so hard to build 
but they look so easy from social media, right? Like we look on social media and we say, oh, these teachers got great community because of this color coordinated, blah, blah, blah. Or you know, all mm-hmm. of it looks, it, it looks easier. Or we assume that all teachers have great relationships with their students. And it's just, I, I wanted to hear that from you because I, I think what you're describing is something that takes work like you said, intentionality. And it has to overlap, like you said, into the academics where it's in their writing, in Socratic seminars, in, you know, that this sense of security, the sense of being seen extends from the door into the environment of the room and then into the the curriculum itself. And I think to circle back to the whole point of this series is that's how we manage our students, right? Is cultivating what they need and then helping them manage themselves through that experience. Um, I think we always think about classroom management as this like top down, you know, and there are certainly like we have to set some boundaries for sure. But I think what you're describing, John, is a very student first way of thinking about managing the way that your classroom runs so that students can be emotionally seen, academically challenged, and all of the things. You know, you did mention like management starts from top down, but um, what we do to get kids comfortable with each other to then uh, help them self-manage and, you know, help each other out where they are holding each other accountable. Mm-hmm. And that builds that relationships and, and those relationships so that kids who aren't necessarily friends are leaving the classroom talking. Well, it's because they've all been part of the same community, right? Like they've all been on the same wavelength of they've all been in your classroom blob together and they and so they have that common out I mean community comes from shared experiences and relationships come from a shared experience that builds trust over and over and over again and so even those little things between kids that wouldn't normally be friends necessarily they they've still got that shared experience of having been in your classroom and having been a part of whatever went on day to day and it doesn't have to be big and huge i think the thing that i was really taking away the most from when you were talking is that and like what i love about you so much is this comes so naturally to you like you are back to what you were saying before you are being your authentic self and for some people that is easier said than done because and there's there's a line there between being my full authentic self like there's different <laughs> lanes that I'm going to be in right about among students versus like you guys versus my kids like it's all different but there's still just at the core of it there's you the person who is a teacher and that layer is put on top of it and it is important to you to be intentional and to be transparent and open about what you're doing therefore that's what you do sometimes the color coding and that sort of thing comes naturally to somebody else and that is the thing that sounds good to them and the classroom jobs comes naturally to somebody and it's the thing that's going to help them put it all into perspective Lean into it all. Be transparent about what it is that comes naturally to to me. Obviously, as I'm rambling, talking comes very naturally to me. And so my students know that I'm going to, and I tell them, hey, I'm going to let you work for five minutes before I come and bug you. Me coming to bug them is going to be maybe about like the assignment that we're doing, or maybe it's me just like shooting the shit and like, hey, what do you guys watch on Netflix right now? Like that, that might be pieces of it because that's how my random brain works. And that's how I build rapport with my students in class. And that's how I help them feel seen by me as well, right? Like my biggest takeaway, again, is just lean into what it is that works for you and sounds, if it sounds easy, it might just work really well. Well, yeah, there's no need to overcomplicate it. I think everything that we're talking about here is affirming that we are teachers and part of what got us where we are is trusting our guts. 
Um, and I don't think that we need to overthink it, but I do want to hear John a little bit more about, you know, some of the other, uh, other pieces of what you're, you are intentionally creating in that space. Like what are some of those other things that help students feel seen or kind of help cultivate that, that space where you're able to have effective discussions and students are following the expectations and rising to your expectations all the time. How do you, how do you get that done? It is not always easy. And (laughs) I I mean, I just want to be transparent because, you know, Marie's talking about how for some people it becomes, it comes naturally. And I completely agree. I am so envious of these people, like, <laughs> oh, because it does not come easily to me. You know, I'm going into my 15th year of teaching. And so y- there's work and thoughtfulness and failures that went into this. Like, every, I, I recently posted a th- something where it says, every day, I just fail. Like, and I say, next day, tomorrow, I'm going to do better. And then I fail again in a different right. way. Like, and it, it just never stops um, because I'm constantly changing. I'm constantly trying to improve. I'm tr- constantly trying to tweak things. And so it is, it's not easy, especially when you're just starting. Like, um, and so if you are one of the fortunate ones where it comes naturally, bless you. Like, <laughs> Well, I think what I meant though was like, do what it is that comes naturally to oh, you specifically, right? Yes. Like, and for some people, like, I forget to greet kids at the door. I, yeah. I And that's something that I need to get better at because I get distracted by like a cup of coffee or a fly or something like that. <laughs> but for you, like greeting kids is something that like you're a friendly person. Like that's what's drawn me to you in the first place. And so I feel like that would be something that comes kind of like just saying hello is something that I think happens. And so yeah. then putting intentionality behind it makes it even more powerful. Yeah. I, and, and again, it was not, I didn't know, I was not always a door greeter. Yeah, it was not. I went to a conference, someone said, start greeting your, your students at the door. You will see a decrease in behavioral issues because that intentionality of making a kid feel seen and that they can't fly under the radar upon entering their your room. I was like, okay, I'll try this out. And now it's just become a part of my culture. Mm-hmm. I have, sometimes I'm running <laughs> to my door because they're waiting outside. Sometimes I am like, you know, like it is not always the easiest thing, but like it is the, you know, the idea. And kids will hold each other kind of be like, bro, you can't go in. Like he hasn't greeted us. Like give him a second. Like, and they do hold each other accountable. Some of the things, um, our, our school is big on Kagan. Uh, I'm not sure if you've yeah, heard of these strategies, strategies before. Yeah, cooperative learning and stuff like this. And, and so really kind of making sure that every person when you're doing group work has a role and a job and making sure that those jobs are meaningful. And the difference between group work and cooperative learning is, or cooperative work is that a task cannot be done unless every single person is involved. Uh, and so building in these strategies where they are going to, and, and again, it's not a new strategy every single time. It's like a handful of strategies that you introduce and you practice in these really fun ways that then they become experts at. Uh, and so that way you they're doing more collaborative work. They're doing more group work and they're really working on building their relationships with each other. Now that takes some time to plan out. It takes some time to get them to learn. Uh, It takes more time to create materials, but in the long run, you have less behavioral, not issues, but behavioral things to address because they're working 
and kids They're want busy. to do things. Yeah, yeah they, and they want to do things. Like they want to do the things. They want to be social. And so you're able to embed this social aspect with an academic aspect, which makes learning fun for them. And then on top of that, before the actual academic stuff, you've gone ahead and you've introduced these activities with them, these cooperative learning activities with them in social ways. And, you know, if you follow Kagan, I think it is every week you're supposed to do one whole class activity where you're mixing and mingling and everyone is making some type of connection in a fun way that infuses music. And then on top of that, um, there are two, um, when you're in groups, you're supposed to do two activities that are really just about team building and kind of really building that identity and getting to know each other. So you do feel that comfortability of being like, Hey, Jimmy, like you need to be on task. Like you're like, this is what we're supposed to be doing and and we can't do it without you, you know? And so really just kind of building that in and so, and then changing up those groups. Yes. Uh, I change. I mean, I think that according to Kagan, just do every six weeks. But for me, I change every month. Every month, you're around someone new, so that way you feel some type of uh, you get to build connections with other people, and that way it's never too long. In case you find that the fit isn't perfect, right, or it doesn't mesh well. Yeah, you, you get those like toxic groups where you're like, mm. yeah, for you, but also for them, because sometimes yeah. you'll have people. And there are certain ways, uh, and again, I don't work for Kagan. This is not a plug, um, but I'm not like getting kickbacks from them. But again, there are ways to create these groups where you have different academic levels uh, within each group so that that way a kid doesn't start feeling like, oh, Mr. Ronnie's class is the class that I go to where I feel dumb in my group because you have these mixed levels and you're intentionally creating these mixed level groups so that the kids that are interacting with each other are relatively, they're going to be exposed to kids that might be higher than them, that might be lower than them, but they're going to be working with people that are going to still challenge them and validate their thinking. And, you know, and so I think that that's really, really important because sometimes um, kids feeling dumb is a reason why our relationship and relationships in the class feel suffer. Um, And so we want to combat that as much as possible. Well, and the other thing, I don't know if you noticed this this year specifically in your classroom, but I definitely did was one of two things. Students were either so eager coming out of hybrid or online learning. They were so eager for group work and working together that they like couldn't stand when they had to be alone or they only wanted to do things by themselves because they just wanted to do it by themselves. They like got used to it, whatever it is. Did you see any of that? Like with your kiddos? Absolutely. There were students that came in that, and, 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 the, and there's even more, some kids wanted to work alone. They mm-hmm. didn't even want to feign working with another person. <laughs> and again, I try to respect um, the kids that are a little bit more introverted that do work better alone. I want to respect to- that. Totally. It's but hard I, though. Yeah. But, yeah. but but I also want to have them build those social skills in, in a setting so that that way, if it's just a little discomfort, then I want them to overcome it. Whereas if it's like anxiety inducing where it's going to shut them down completely, uh, gauging that was so difficult this year. Mm, totally. uh, then there were the kids who were like, yeah, they wanted to work together all of the time and they could <laughs> do it effectively. And there were kids who wanted to work together all of the time and they couldn't get the work done because they didn't have the discipline of right. the socialization from last year where it was just them in their bedrooms. Um, yeah. And so it was just, or wherever they learned. So it was a really difficult year of trying to 
to set the standards and the expectations of group work, of having them try to self-manage within those groups and build that autonomy. Um, and also try to find the balance of like, you know, can you work in a group? Because we these are skills that we also need to practice, especially coming out of uh, distance learning. Especially when it comes back to behavior and classroom management. And it's it's so much of it is about routine. So much of it is about expectations and clearly and consistently uh, upholding and communicating those like expectations. But it's also about, like you're saying, listening and meeting them where they're at and figuring out like, okay, and adjusting on the fly authentically and saying things like, hey, this isn't working. We're going to let's figure it out. I'm going to change it. Or like, I can't quite figure it out right now, but tomorrow we're gonna do something differently. I'll figure it out before then. And like letting them know that we're adjusting along the way, I think is so important for all of those things, the community, the relationships individually, the behavior in general. Yeah. And I definitely feel like a lot of teachers when I, not a lot of teachers, I don't want to say a lot of teachers, I'll I'll make enemies of teachers, but uh, some teachers, I feel like when they come to me and they talk about when they see my classroom management or they see my style or people I work with in person, you know, and they're facing sort of issues within their classrooms. And again, I am not perfect. I have issues in my classroom as well that I am constantly seeking to address. They, I'm like, well, what are you doing to reinforce these procedures, these rules, this culture? Like, what are you doing Mm -hmm. to reinforce the culture? They're like, I do what all the teachers do. At the beginning of the school year, I went over, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, that was seven months ago. (laughs) That was the – you know, like, you need to do it again and again and again. And when you see this divergence of the classroom culture, you need to stop, put on pause whatever you're doing and, and reinforce that and, you know, have a mini lesson of reminding them to be more thoughtful or reminding them of the procedures or, you know what, if you, you know, if people are having issues, like have them practice whatever it is that they, you know, like turn it into, I mean, I'm not a person, I do like to gamify things, but I also am not a person that thinks that everything needs to be gamified, but like getting out supplies this year, having students get out supplies, that was a task. It's posted i'm on the microphone at the door i am reminding them like it is there like these beautiful laid out slides and i'm like child can you please get out your pencil please i will beg you i will get on my knees and beg you i will give you candy at this point just just take out out your pencil pencil and to use it please put the name (laughs) on your paper you know like this constant reiteration, I mean, I feel like it needs to be done within reason. After a while, there are going to yeah. be, you just have to like let it go. These are the students that are going to get it. This is the kid that needs to be reminded. I'm going to remind the kid quietly. Like, let's move on. And, and they're going to be more receptive to it if they know your intent. I would like to bring it home, right? To yeah. know what you're there for, what you're about, that you're a person. Because kids do, I mean, they're kids. They get into their bubble and they forget that we are people. They forget that the people next to them are people. Of course, they're going to forget that the adults in the room are people because we're all just there, right? We're a given. But reminding them that like, I'm here because I care about you. And that's why I am a teacher and blah, 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 blah. It just brings it all back into like clarity every so often. Yeah. On my last day of school, I was clear with COVID, but my sub was still there because I couldn't cancel him uh, because he was paid. He's like, I'm paid. Right. Either right. I can be here or not. And so I went back to school to say goodbye to my seventh graders. And I told them, I was like, I am not getting paid to be here today. 
I am here. The sub is here. I am here because I'm, I care about you. I wanted to say goodbye to you. I wanted to wish you a good summer. Like, and I, you know, and so like just letting them know that, that I'm coming on my own time when I am not required to be here. Like it was just a way to remind them of what, you know, that I care about them, that I'm wishing them well, that I want them to say hello to me next year in the hallway, that I, they need anything next year that they, they can still come to me, even though I won't be their English teacher next year. Like, and you mean it. Yeah. And you mean, and, and you yeah. mean it. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I literally mean it. I'm here today because I just wanted to say goodbye to you, you know? Okay. Well, isn't that the sweetest damn thing? <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm just like, I'm at the point where my children have not yet even gone to kindergarten, but like, I do have these like stress nightmares about the kinds of teachers my own children will have. And like, oh my gosh, do I hope that they have a teacher like you, John? Oh my word. <laughs> I know. No do you want to come to San Diego? I can put in a good word. Oh it's <laughs> so scary. Like, I, I don't know that I could ever do it. And like, that is like, those are the three years that I fear the most for my, myself and my own children. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I do have a tiny curveball. I think we're, we're kind of wrapping up here. We're getting close to end our time. I don't think it's too serious of a curveball, but it's just like the one thing we haven't dipped into today. And that is like, when we talk about classroom management, I'm wondering what you think, John, about the role our content plays in classroom management? I mean, I think on the surface, that's kind of a bizarre question, right? Like as an English teacher, we would feel like what I teach and what I have in my curriculum is separate from the way that I'm managing behaviors in my classroom, setting up activities, so on and so forth. I suspect though, you might have some (laughs) feelings about how these things work together and how maybe you are also intentional about the curriculum you share with your students or the authors or the types of text maybe. I mean, do you see a classroom management overlap between content and the, the people in the room and how they function? Well, I feel like the, I don't know if classroom management, but classroom culture, um, which is a form of, you know, management as well. Uh, I think for and, today, those are hand in hand. Like yeah, I say, I mean, sure. they are for us too. So yeah, totally. So when, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a teacher that when people, when I show up and people say, do this, I go, okay. <laughs> and I do it. And then, which is admin loves that. Yeah. But, but, but then over time, you know, I'm able to then hone that and go, wait a minute and question and then find my way through that. And so over the years that I've been teaching in the beginning, I taught the canon, whatever they told me to teach, I taught. Then through these things, I have found ways to build culture. So when I first taught ninth grade, we had to do public speaking, right? That's the standard. And so therefore, we did speeches. But the content that I chose to include were speeches that represented uh, marginalized groups. And so that that way they could be educated about marginalized groups. Uh, They could also be uh, educated about uh, powerful people. And we could also then um, kind of have discussions in Socratic seminars that are related to what are they trying to achieve here? What is the message here? You know, what are we as a classroom supposed to take away from this? And so, you know, we read um, Hillary Clinton's speech about women's rights or human rights. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We compared that to uh, one of uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s speeches because it showed, I believe, a lot of similarities there with the language and the structure. We um, we compared uh, some songs. Queen Latifah had a song about her womanhood. And then so- Sojourner Truth had uh, a mm-hmm. speech 
And so just really kind of like taking a look at these things, we compared and contrasted Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream to The Ballot or the Bullet by Malcolm X. And so in recognizing two men, two African-American males and their different perspectives and that they're not a monolith and really kind of taking a look at this, we looked at um, Cesar Chavez, one of his speeches about migrant farm workers and fighting for those rights. And so really kind of taking a look at those experiences and building that in about recognizing people's histories within the classroom, learning about these histories within the classroom and re- recognizing these people as fighters and not victims and creating that sense of pride within certain students in the classroom and educating the students who are not a part of those communities. I just thought that was really interesting. And, you know, and I've tried to create that as we go through, um, you know, I've taught freshmen, juniors, seniors. Um, uh, we, you know, I taught CPE, college preparatory English, which really deals with a lot of taking a look at nonfiction texts and they are topical issues. And so really trying to listen to the young people's opinions and feel that they are valued and really trying to understand each other's perspectives um, was so, so important for kind of the cultivation of a classroom culture of mutual respect and understanding of where we're coming from. Now at the middle school level, recently uh, my district went through and did a a district audit uh, and we were found that we were perpetrators of a one narrative for a marginalized group of people. And so I, in the past couple of years, even before the audit, have been trying to be very intentional of what I have brought into the classroom so that it's not just of literary merit, um, but that it is literary merit that is inclusive of uh, diverse voices um, that we are taking into consideration who is the author? What is the story being told? What is the um, lesson that we are supposed to be taking away from here? What are some of the things that we are supposed to question? And really kind of building in through all of those activities that I mentioned earlier where kids are building relationships with each other so we can have some of those tough talks and tough conversations that gets people thinking, maybe even gets them being thoughtful outside of the bubble that they are comfortable in. And so really kind of a taking some moments to address those through units, through mini units, I feel like it's super, super important. And again, kids leave feeling valued. So story, we used to read Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. We no longer read it at my school. It's by an African-American author, Mildred D. Taylor. And it's about a African-American family who owns their own farm in the South during the Great Depression. And they are victims of racism and people who kind of want to run their run them down into poverty again and have them know their place in society uh, for that time. And I taught this. Years later, I run into a girl at a grocery store. She's an African-American girl in the grocery store. She sees me, screams my name, <laughs> runs to go get her sister, who I've never met before, Gets her sister, who's just trying to go grocery shopping, and <laughs> and she says he gets it, Aww. and I was like, I don't know what I get. What do I get? And she just goes, Oh my gosh, I've heard about you for years. This book was so meaningful. The conversations you had changed her uh, with the, in this classroom. I didn't have the conversations. I hosted the conversations. They were just conversations that were allowed to be held in my classroom. Uh, and so I'm um, really kind of offering the space to do that within a classroom. I feel like, you know, it just creates the classroom culture so that kids do feel valued. 
It makes it important. Yeah. Because, I mean, so we talked a lot early here, and then we are going to have to wrap up, which makes me very sad because I'm realizing how much of your time we are taking. We've talked a lot about kids being seen, but what you're describing is kids being heard Mm -hmm. at the same time, right? Because like not everybody feels comfortable being heard. Yeah, you might be seen. Yeah, we might say hello. We might even have a special little handshake that we do. Absolutely. But it takes a special amount. Uh, it takes like just the right community blend. It takes the right amount of trust and me being comfortable to really me, the kid to be able to voice exactly what I think so that I can be heard and not just what you think I want, like like what I think you want to hear or what's going to make it more comfortable within this group of students. But what you're describing is a community that you have built where you can host those conversations that kids will authentically participate in. And that is something that cannot be done without intentionality. Maybe a fluke once, but it is not going to happen as part of a regular teaching practice without saying this is a goal that I'm setting. And so these are the ways that I'm going to make that happen. And I I commend you for that. That's really cool. Your answer was like everything I've ever wanted to hear. And then more, I was like a combination of like misty eyed, jumping for joy, like heart racing. Like I am, I was over here silent cheering for like every line that came out of your mouth, John. I mean, well, you, if you have have been in the, the brave new teaching community for a little while, listeners know that this is this is absolutely where my bread and butter is too like i i believe so deeply in the power of a good thoughtful curriculum an intentional designed curriculum that gives space for these things to happen um and i just think we have so many missed opportunities when this isn't a consideration. Um, and so I'm so grateful for all of those examples. I was jotting down ideas for a synthesis unit <laughs> that you gave me. Um, and just like, just good teaching for good people, for good conversations. It doesn't need to be contrived. It doesn't need to be forced. It, we just have great sources from real people who lived and we're putting them in front of kids. And like you said, you're hosting a conversation. You're hosting these opportunities for students to have critical thinking, great discussion and just become their own independent thinkers who are valued. And it's just, it's uh you nailed it. So you're hired. Um, I would like to co-author a book with you about this and uh, uh, publishers who are listening, we are working on our proposal. Okay. I'll write your forward. Okay. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> We've got it all planned out. We're good to go. Well, John, we want to say thank you so, so much for joining us today and for like letting us, and by us, I mean our entire listenership community just into your classroom, because that's kind of what I feel like we have done today is we've just gotten to step inside of the blob, if you will, and be a part of it. And that circled back. I'm impressed. I did. Well done. You see what I did there? Like a stand-up comic. That's what I'm doing here. Um, but like, truly it's not easy. We talked about it. We've talked about it many times on the podcast. It's not easy always to open up to especially other adults and say, here's what I do. And that's something that we wanted to say thank you very much for. And will you tell us where people can find you if they want to get a hold of you? Because I have a feeling they are going to want to. Oh, uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. This has been amazing. I love chatting with the both of you. Um, And you two already follow me. I already follow you. But if people want to follow (laughs) me and check me out on Instagram, it's at teacher to teacher. Teacher spelled out to spelled out teacher. 
spelled out. Um, and that's the best way to get a hold of me uh, and to see what I'm up to and what's going on in my classroom. Yeah, he's really great on stories and reels. Tell you what, with the classroom stories and just what's going on. Tell you what. Well, what to think about? It. I'm so sad. Will you come back? I know. Will you come back, John. Will we do another episode? Uh, of course, I will. Well, uh, yes, check. Uh, yes, I will do that. If you will have me, I'll be happy to do it. Thanks again for listening to Brave New Teaching. We'd love to keep the conversation going over on Instagram. And while you're there, check out the links in our bio for the most up-to-date events going on in the Brave New Teaching community. Thanks for being here and have a great week at school. 